Okay, we're going to begin. Uh, this story is called Dinon Goes to Beaver Castle. It's taken from It's a Rum Life, Book 4, Volume 1, Northcote, 1984-1998. to Not all that happened in 1984 was woe and disaster. There were one or two bright episodes too. We had not been moved long into Northcote, the small country cottage with room for a pony. Well, more than one pony actually. There were five acres of land including the piece the house sat upon, together with various outbuildings in different stages of dilapidation. I've explained in buying Northcote just what miracles had to be performed to actually save some of our sanity and exchange our Georgian country house for this comparatively tiny residence tucked away down a narrow, twisted country lane. Once here, we had to stay here, and at the same time find some means of income and help Ruth cope with the undoubted shock of the upheaval and total change in our lives. As I explained, it was not all doom and gloom. This is the BBC. We had a phone call one day. It was one of those remarkable things that can happen from time to time. The call was from a programme presenter for BBC Radio Nottingham. His name was Dennis McCarthy. We had met Dennis the previous year at a charity event to raise funds for supplementary cancer care at the local Pilgrim Hospital. The lady who arranged that event, Lynn Ellis, had been known to us and we had attended at her request. Our task had been to deliver the dignitaries to the event in our Victoria horse-drawn carriage, the one we used for weddings. Those dignitaries had been the Mayor of Boston and Dennis himself, representing Radio Lincolnshire and Radio Nottinghamshire. On the telephone. Now Dennis was very well known in the dog world as a breeder of Afghan hounds. In fact, he was an indisputed authority on dogs of all types and breeds. He explained that he had been asked by BBC Television to produce a programme on working dogs. The idea had come from the department who produced one man and his dog, and they were looking at other ideas that would interest the same kind of audience. Dennis had already arranged a venue and time for shooting the film. It was to be at Beaver Castle, on the Lincolnshire-Leicestershire border, a most imposing residence, the home of the Duke of Rutland. The shooting of the film was to take place in three weeks' time, and Dennis wanted to have Dean on the Dalmatian carriage dog on his programme. At this time, Dinon was about at the peak of his working life. He had appeared with both of our carriages at countless weddings, and in many cases managed to cause more interest than the bride herself, although she was never aware of this. We had to explain to Dennis that Dinon's role was strictly business. That is, he was there to guard and protect. If anything, anything at all was to try and interfere with his horse or carriage, he would sort the problem out in no uncertain manner. Dalmatians can be quite aggressive in their natural environment, we explained. 
it would be best if there was no risk of other dogs being damaged. It was decided that our bit would be filmed after lunch, when all the other working dogs had safely gone home. A note for readers to explain here, the Dalmatian dog is a traditional carriage guard dog. They have the ability to travel the same distance that a horse can achieve in a working day, and at the same speed. At night they would sleep under the carriage and continue with their guarding. In the days of coach travel, if anything, human or animal, were to interrupt the smooth operation of your carriage and horses, it could be life-threatening for the passengers. Preparations Would we like to come for lunch? Would we just? After the trials we'd been going through in the last 12 months, lunch at Beaver Castle with a BBC television team seemed like heaven. Our transport for attending weddings was still our old BMC FG Threpnibit Cab diesel horse box. Not entirely legal, but as yet sufficiently between MOT testing regulations to allow it to be tested by friendly garages. This was not to last much longer. In fact, on our journey to Beaver, we did encounter a police constable who was positive he could succeed with a decent prosecution when he stopped us in Sleaford. We'll come back to him in a moment, as we have to explain that behind the small box lorry came a long flat trailer. This normally carried the Victoria carriage, the one Dennis had ridden in previously, which loaded up and down with ramps and a winch. As this event was taking place in February 1985, the inclement weather suggested that we offer an alternative vehicle. We gave Dennis a choice of antique carriages and he decided on the bow-fronted broom, a most attractive and totally enclosed carriage. Uh, you can read more about this in Wedding at Wibberton. At the same time, we had room on the trailer for an alternative, so loaded our elegant 1910 green-painted rally cart. This was an open two-wheel, two-seat vehicle with very soft springing and a ride like a Rolls-Royce. As we left home, it began to snow, and by the time we arrived at Beaver Castle, it was quite deep in places, with actual drifts of snow on the castle forecourt. Back to the police. The journey to Beaver took about two hours, slow because of the weather, but also the lorry was not the most powerful vehicle ever made by BMC. Its four-cylinder diesel shared the cab with driver and escort and efficiently drowned out all chance of conversation, despite our efforts to deaden the noise with blankets and rugs. I cannot remember who actually sat in the front with me, the driver, there was only one other seat, and it was either Ruth or the Dalmatian dog that used it, normally whoever was the quickest. Deanod would not settle on the floor in front of the passenger, despite a cosy little nook in the curved front bodywork. There was even a small side window, looking like it was designed for a dog to look out, but in fact was there for me to see the nearside curbs. If he could not sit on the seat, he went in the rear groom's compartment. Behind that area was the space for the horses. We took Juno to Beaver. 
She was our original carriage horse, a Dale's pony cross mare, with very dark bay coat, attractive long attentive ears and smiling eyes. Juno was becoming aged, but could still be relied upon to behave and give her best. We were concerned about the steep driveways at Beaver and her ability to pull the carriage with a load, but still her perhaps somewhat slow performance would be preferable to Jupiter, her son, and his unpredictable antics. Not forgetting our policeman friend, we returned to Sleaford. Just after the level crossing in the centre of the town, the road proceeds westerly in the direction of Grantham, down a long, straight residential road. Of course, all this has been bypassed now, but there is still permanent congestion in Sleaford. We had been stopped at the railway crossing gates for one of those then-frequent trains and were proceeding steadily down Grantham Road. At least, with that trailer and horse on board, there was never any chance of us exceeding any speed limits. The panda car stopped in front of us and we duly parked behind. The constable came and looked around the well-worn vehicle with its ugly body, box body and its trailer complete with not just one vehicle, but two. I suppose he was just intrigued with the look of it all, certainly an unusual ensemble. I should imagine its nearest contemporary was a travelling circus. Eventually, he decided that his best avenue as attack was me, rather than the vehicle ensemble, of which he was obviously unsure. He was not very pleasant, or humorous, or even human. Just one of those policemen who give the nice ones a bad name. One of those who, if needing help on a dark night, one would be loath to assist. His first sentence was, you need an HGV licence to drive that. I hesitated for a moment, just long enough for him to start getting out his notebook. I know, I said, I have one. Not wishing to antagonise him, I omitted to mention that I was also the holder of a UK transport manager's licence. Asking him if we could now proceed, as we had an urgent appointment at Beaver Castle with the BBC, we left him. If you'd like to read a story about a really good policeman, read Windmill Express. At Beaver Castle, on arriving at Beaver Castle, the public car park is right down at the bottom of the very steep approach. We had permission to drive up to the castle itself. The route begins with a sharp double turn off the road onto the private drive. It then winds up towards the castle and ends with a very sharp left-hand bend on a hill. The castle main entrance is on your right and we drove past and parked our entourage on the terrace overlooking the Vale of Beaver and in front of the main reception room windows. This was where we found the deep snowdrifts. Deanon and Juno remained in the lorry while Dennis introduced us to the very nice director, Neil Eccles, and his team. Uh, note here, we were told in 1995 by Pam Rhodes and her Songs of Praise friends, uh, so Songs of Praise friends, that Neil had by then moved high up among the more senior BBC staff. 
Back at Beaver, Dennis had explained that as we would be working for the BBC, we would not get paid. But they would pay our expenses for getting there. Whether that would have included the fine, if our policeman had been better acquainted with his traffic law, I'm not sure. However, lunch was in a formal dry dining room with most welcome roaring fire in the hearth. We thought this the highlight of our day. What followed was magical. We were made most welcome and the whole afternoon was ours. Neil decided that the brougham carriage was magnificent and just what they needed. It was totally enclosed with a beautiful bow-shaped glass front. The whole shone in elegant maroon and black livery. Juno was harnessed and told all about what was expected of her. She had to pass by the cameras, stationed in the front of the castle entrance, and move off down the drive as if she was leaving the castle with her important passengers. In fact, most of the time, the passengers were Neil himself, or his very able lady assistant. We were shown inside the mobile film unit, with banks of monitors and production gear. Dinon was just so laid back with it all, just as if this happened to him every day. Whether we actually needed to make four or even five takes, we were never sure. What was certain was that Neil and his friends just loved riding down the drive from the castle in the horse-drawn carriage. Dinon behaved impeccably. He followed the carriage perfectly. Ruth was able to give him his instructions, the only real distraction being the various camera legs, which he found intriguing. Juno did find the pull up from the bottom of the drive hard work, especially time after time, but she did not put a foot wrong and certainly did us proud. Neil and Dennis were delighted and we were lucky to have managed to get a good friend, Gordon, staff photographer of the local newspaper from my old Lincolnshire Standard days, to take some still pictures for us at the same time. It was all over too quickly and after fond farewells we wended our way home, far more relaxed now the important bits were finished and we had happy memories to accompany us for many years to come. There we are, that's the end of the little story, brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. There are more stories to read on keithsandersisthestoryman.wordpress.com. There are lots more audio stories to listen to on this Buzzsprout site. And there are lots and lots of free videos to watch on Keith Sanders, the short story man, on YouTube. Now there's a shop. This is the important bit. All the stories you listen to and read are put together in books. Uh, they're all downloadable on the internet. They're not expensive. And you can find them all on richardkeithsanders.sells.com Thank you for listening. <laughs>